Welcome to Take a Wonder with Shebs, the show that features some of the biggest travel bloggers, TV and radio personalities and journalists from all around the world. Each show aims to take my guest on a wonder and uncover topics that may not be discussed on their platforms or in the media, whether that's the state of travel blogging and journalism as it is today, or whether there's enough diversity within the industry. Perhaps what impact technology and social media have had on content creation, or in general the impact of current affairs on the industry. I also try and find out the journey behind each individual's success, as this is more important to me than the actual travel. I had the pleasure of talking to entrepreneur, globetrotter and travel host Scott Eddy. My main focus point with Scott was looking at how people want to be in the travel space but don't necessarily have the work ethic or lack the business acumen to be part of it. I talked about his success and what he has that not many have. Scott, thank you so much for coming out. I really appreciate your time. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Briefly explain, well, who you are really. Uh, I'm Scott. You want more than that? (laughs) <laughs> so I, I, I'm Scott Eddy, uh, known online as Mr. Scott Eddy on every platform. And real brief, uh, I spent 10 years in investment banking, lived 17 years in Europe and Asia. And while I was in Thailand living, which I lived there for 11 years, uh, I started the first digital agency in Southeast Asia. That happened to be when all the hotels and resorts were entering that market so we were the go-to digital agency to build out all the strategies for the hotels, the resorts, the DMOs, everybody that was sort of like ramping up that region. And after I learned and really watched my amazing team for five years, I sold the agency and built up my personal brand. And this is what you see today. Awesome. We'll come on to your career in a bit more detail slightly later. Uh, Where did the initial love for travel come for you? So there's real, I've really lived three lives. Um, When I was growing up, so my, my father's family is all from Michigan and, you know, very Americanized uh, family. My mother's parents were born in Lebanon and moved to Jamaica. And my mother and all my aunts and uncles were born in Jamaica So for me, going on a holiday when I was growing up to the Caribbean was very normal. Uh, So I'd say by the time I was 17, 18, I've been to every Caribbean island at least once. So that was very normal for me. Um, But it really, really happened when I was 29 years old. They sold the firm that I was working at, the investment banking firm. And my friend's friend was an expat living in Bangkok. And he said, listen, you're 29. You've never been to Europe. You've never been to Asia. What is wrong with you? Hop on a plane. So I did. I bought a two-week ticket. And after four days of being in Bangkok, my eyes were just open. I saw people with nothing that were happy. I saw people being kind to one another. I saw I saw things that you really don't see in a lot of the big cities here in the U.S. or in London or, or you know any major metropolitan city in the world. So I called my mom. I said, "I'm never coming home. I, I I'm super happy here. I have nothing to come back for. I'm just gonna I'm moving here. Send my things." And I lived 17 years overseas, and that's where it really really started. Was it working? As a stockbroker in the United States, that yes. sort of broke the, the, cam- the camel's back, really. I thought, so, you know what, I can't do Well, I guess when you're working in the no, industry. I, oh. No, because I didn't know. Um, you know, 
the, the, how that happened was my father's background, he was a police officer and he was a police officer for 11 years in Michigan. And then we moved to Fort Lauderdale when I was three. So I really don't remember living up there. I really remember growing up in South Florida and he was a Fort Lauderdale cop. So for me growing up every day after school, I spent in the police department hanging out with my dad, you know, like watching people get arrested and questioned and interrogations. And I watched autopsies when I was little and took my driver's license test in a police car and like crazy stuff. And for me, after I graduated high school, I was going to join the police academy, become a cop, get married, have the two and a half kids, retire and die. Like that was my life plan. And I was extremely happy because that was the only thing I was trying to do since I was little. Three weeks before I graduated high school, my father was killed in the line of duty in a plane crash. And it just, it rocked my world. It turned my whole world upside down. It crushed every plan that I had. I didn't want to be a cop anymore, but I wasn't trained to do anything else. So my friend's friend was a stockbroker in New York. And this is 1989. The markets were going through the roof. And they there was a firm that was opening up in Fort Lauderdale. And he's like, I can get you in the investment banking program. Um, you'd be great at this. And I said, are you crazy? I don't know anything about finance. I don't have a degree. I never went to college. Um, I don't know how to sell. Like, uh, I'm bad at math. Like, A to Z, there's nothing about me that says I would be good at this job. And he says, well, what else are you going to do? I didn't have an answer. So I went on the interview and I got accepted. And I did that for 10 years. Looking back, besides you know my original plan of being a cop and growing up and, and having my father around to this day, it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because I was taught how to sell anything to anyone from the best people on Wall Street. And to this day, I use every skill that I learned in those 10 years every day of my life on social media. Because um, the average person on social doesn't know how to sell. And if they do, they they sell very selfishly. They is all they talk about is themselves. Is all they want to help is themselves. And is all I want to do is give. I don't use my social platforms to sell. I use my social platforms to make my personal brand as big as possible. But to then do business offline in reality with brands. Um, so very much the same model as Gary Vee. He doesn't really sell online. Um, he uses his companies to do the business and he gives away all his free content, all his best content for free. Uh, I try to do the same. I'm just on a very micro scale. Um, yeah, so that's, that's really like the backstory and how everything happened and, and how I got to where I am today. Obviously losing your father, which is obviously a tragic thing. Uh, I guess on a, a scale of growing up without, your father's support did that even well, I guess give you more of a fire in your belly to succeed and to prove that oh well make him proud I guess yeah I I mean I I think about him every day he's with me every decision that I make I think like what would my mother and father think of me doing this and I was raised very strict um you you would think my father would be the disciplinary one it was actually my mother um who was ridiculously strict like just crazy growing up in a either a caribbean household or a lebanese household they're both very strict like you move out when you get married you don't move out at 18 like most american households and i lived in the same 
bedroom from age three to 29. I, I was making ridiculous money for 10 years in the investment banking world, sleeping in the same twin bed that I slept in when I was three years old. So much so that like my friends who had penthouses were making fun of me. Um, but it's like, like, what do you do? You leave? Like, I, I, it wasn't even in the realm of possibility to move out of the house. So, um, that's interesting because yes. that's a that's a cultural thing, isn't it? So obviously you, you've, you've had the Caribbean sort of, you know, hundred um, percent. That happens a lot in Asia, by the way, as well. Because one of the things Absolutely. you said you lived in Asia, a lot yeah. of people don't move yeah. out until yeah, they yeah, get yeah. married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the in the you know the Middle East in in Asia, it's it's normal. So I, I I I'm guessing that when I first went to Thailand, I found a lot of commonalities like that with the way I was raised, and I felt very at home. Um, even though I was 10,000 miles away from home. So, yeah, I mean, bringing it up now, I've actually never put two and two together. But um, see what you did. See, I told you to bring up something that nobody's ever asked me, and you did. Good well, job. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned about social media and where you use that platform to – we'll go into your work now. So you use that platform, as you just said there, to help, to to give. Because uh, one of the quotes you, you've put down here is, uh, is not to call you an influencer and you, to call you an entrepreneur. Just explain why that is important to you and why you feel as though the word influencer mm-hmm. is – has got a negative connotation attached to it. Well, listen, at the, at the end of the day, the influencer space is massive. It's only going to get bigger. Um, I don't like the, the headline reading of the influencer space. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of me, me, me in that space and a lot of ego and a lot of just bravado that you'll never see come out of my mouth or my personality. And people really don't dig deeper than the headlines. You know, I mean, everybody's a headline reader these days and everybody takes things out of context. So me being associated by the influencer space on the surface level, I never want. Obviously, I work very heavily in that industry. Um, It's what gets me all the initial eyeballs. And then I do a deep dive with those people to really make them understand what everything is everything that I do. Um, but at the end of the day, the influencer space things, it represents less than 5% of my income. Um, I just use it to get the eyeballs and then really, I would rather take a relationship into depth rather than have shallow relationships with everybody. And you also said that a lot of influencers are one trick ponies. Uh, is that because they don't know how, I guess, the business acumen. And one of the things why I wanted to bring you on was, how do you take it to that level? So what, what sort of advice would you give to an influencer or uh, someone who is going to be working with brands on how to develop themselves? Well, you never stop learning. Um, I spend on an average day. So first off, my seven-day work week is literally a seven-day work week. It's not Monday to Friday, nine to five, and then playing on Saturday and Sunday. I go hard from 5 a.m. seven days a week. And my Sundays and my Wednesdays are exactly the same. Um, It's very common for me when I'm talking to somebody, I'll try to set up a meeting on a Saturday afternoon. 99 times out of 100, they'll say no. But every once in a while, somebody says yes, especially now with the work at home culture, it's a lot easier to do that. So I, I just try to take advantage of every day. 
but it's very common for me to spend four or five hours a day, not watching, but at least listening to videos on YouTube, learning about a subject that's deep, you know, like going deeper into the subject and just learn. Um, for example, I'm an Android guy to the death of me. Um, and Clubhouse just became available on Android a few days ago, a week okay. ago. Or it was it was during my last trip. I just got back from Arizona, and I couldn't download it then, so I downloaded it two days ago. And this past weekend, yeah, I downloaded it on Friday. This past weekend, I spent, including this morning, multiple hours per day, maybe five, six, seven hours per day, either listening to it intensively or having it playing in the background when I'm doing something online, um, just because I want to learn about the platform. I, I want to learn as much as I possibly can. You, you, the, the number one thing that I could possibly tell anybody who wants to enter this space or they've already made a name in this space is your brand is never complete. It's a work in progress forever, forever. So you have to learn you have to be an early adopter with everything and never stop learning when something's not cool anymore. So realistically, if I look at the space overall, the, the, the social media space I'm talking about, um, Clubhouse is already seeing a decline because that initial buzz is, is wore off. But Twitter's not cool anymore either. And I built my whole brand on Twitter. I still get clients from Twitter. So I st I'm still just as active on Twitter today as I was when it first came out. I don't just go on Instagram because it's cool or I go on TikTok because, you know, the dances are cool and, and things like that. You know, I mean, I'm active on every single platform every single day. And I spell multiple hours on every platform, learning, 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 watching what's trending, watching what's going on. And you just got to never stop learning. What's evolving, isn't it? You have to evolve with the time. Everything. Everything. I mean, think about this. Facebook, a billion-dollar company, right? How often do they change the layout of the app and the and the and the the website online? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every daily. They're always playing around and figuring, oh, people's eyeballs are going to the upper right, so let's put the same thing up there and this and that. I mean, it's a billion dollar. You will never be as big as Facebook. And they're still evolving on a daily basis. So what makes you think that just because you got 100,000 followers, you can de-accelerate? You know what I mean? Like, take your foot off the gas and just sit there and coast? Are you crazy? There's some 18-year-old kid coming up behind me. I'm 50. I just turned 50. I am an absolute dinosaur. You could call me T-Rex. So I have to work twice as hard as a 20-year-old on TikTok just to get the same amount, if not a little bit less eyeballs to get the same attention. Come on, think about it. Like it's so simple. Yeah, but as you said, though, it's easier said than done because not many people yeah. will think like you. And right. th that's where the business brain is really important. Because one of the things with any blogs, influencers uh, platform is you've got to think of the long, long term. You know, what is your actual goal? What is your aim? Do you want to become a TV star? And that's the thing you see. Is it? Do you want? fame why do people do it right. is there something there has to be a meaning behind it and a lot of people i think go into it what from people i've spoken to go into it not knowing actually what their goal is and i think that's the main thing because otherwise if you don't have a goal then where where are you going to that that's what i say here's here's the funny thing and i get asked quite often 
What's my goal? Where do I see myself in 10 years, in five years, in 18 months, in 15 years? I don't have massive goals. I have micro goals, like very small micro goals. And I'm not saying big goals are not, are not advised. They absolutely should be. I personally, one man's opinion, do not have massive goals. The problem that people have is they make these massive goals and then until they hit them, they're not happy. That's not, a, that's not the right way to live. A, your number one goal should be you wake up and you're happy. You're winning. You're winning. You're waking up. You feel good. You're winning. All these micro wins equal larger wins in your life. So I have like, did I wake up and am I healthy? Boom. I'm beating 70% of the world. Did I wake up before the sunrise? Boom, I won, I beat the sun. Did I make it on my morning walk? Did I get good content? Did I, you know, anything. I have 10 meetings set up for today. My, my goal, and it's so crazy, I'm, I'm like obsessive about being early and like on time and this and that. I feel that if you're on time, you're late. So my goal, and I pad it into my schedule, I want to be a half hour early or at least 15 minutes to every physical meeting that I go to. It's a stupid goal of mine, but it's, but it, it, it just makes me so happy when I'm early. You know what I mean? When I'm, it, it's all about the micro goals. That's the only thing that matters. One of the quotes you said as well, it's not, it's hard to describe what I actually do. So what is it that people will know you for? What they know me for is having a big following on social. What I really do is I use that to get the attention, to build a personal brand, to get exposure. And then I provide all the same services of a digital agency just through my personal brand. So I have a ridiculous team that, that runs paid ads for social for everybody in the hospitality industry. So everything from a restaurant to a bar, to a hotel, to a resort, to a tourism board, to a cruise line, airline. Um, I have insane video guys. Um, we do drone photography. We do everything, A to Z. I guess one of the things you've also said was you never anticipated monetizing it. How do I monetize it and take it further? You know, I've gotten to this stage. What is the next step? I think that's where people struggle. They can. Right. Build, maybe build that small foundation. Mm. The, the bit where they really struggle is taking it to the next step of monetizing right. it. And like, I'm making money from it now. And this is, this is my living. So what would you say to people who are in that position? All right. So the reason I have always said that is because I built up my brand overseas. Um, and I, I had a big audience on Twitter um, and kind of on Instagram, but really Twitter was where I really built my everything before the word influencer was even a word before people were using big audiences to stay in Valley, you know, like before all this, this whole world came about. So I, I came back to the States in 2015 and I didn't know that you could monetize an audience, actually make money from having a big audience until I got back here and seeing what was going on. I was like, Whoa, I was, my mind was blown. I was so naive. I was so, um, uh, I don't know, just ignorant to the fact of that. And what I would say is this. 
you should never concentrate on monetization because if you build the right community and the big enough community, it will happen organically. Now, I know everybody's rolling their eyes and that's not what they want to hear because every piece of advice that I give is not overnight. Everything takes a long time, but the steps that you make every day lead to that long time. In other words, um, I was super aggressive again, clubhouse three days ago. I already have a thousand followers, but it's because it's because I already built up brand equity for the past since 2008 when I joined Twitter and have been tweeting 20 times a day, seven days a week, replying to every single comment on Instagram, replying to every single comment. And I challenge anybody to go on any Instagram post to see that I haven't acknowledged or commented or replied back to somebody who commented. It's about caring about your community more than you care about yourself. And that will translate into other platforms. Like when somebody replies, it's the most annoying thing when I meet somebody in real life or I meet somebody on social and, you know, I I can tell the relationship is going to go to the next level. We're going to become friends or real acquaintances or whatever it is. First thing I do is go look at every one of their platforms to see. I don't care if you're active on every platform because that's a personal decision. Um, I, I think that that it's part of the decision that affects your brand long term and it's and it's leads to monetization in the future. Um, but what I really care about is how do you treat the audience that you already have? Do you reply to every comment? Are you helping them? Are you are you giving more than you take? Um, that is what matters to me. And it should matter to every personal brand out there much more than anything else, much more than anything. I try to tell brands this all the time. Brands are worse than personal brands. It's like literally talking to a wall. It's crazy, but you have to care about your community. You have to. I think that's really important. Building a community takes time. And one of the things I've read as well was that, this is what you said, uh, fakeness uh, that is rampant within the so, uh, the, the influencing world, uh, sure. so in the socials. It's actually funny because I wrote a blog uh, which took me five months to research and write about the lack of authenticity. Now, a lot of people try and make it without actually doing the hard work, the hard yards. I, I think the problem is people don't want to work for it. They just want to get there as quick as possible and not have actually done Take the, the hard foot work. off the gas. It, well, yeah, took the foot off the gas or try and find a way to get the shortcuts and shortcuts never end well because how long can you do it for by the time you get to a point right. you get found out and people and brands and um businesses will go actually does this person and i think you mentioned this quite a bit mm-hmm. what why would a brand then come back and work with you that's mm-hmm. the that's the thing you can maybe initially work with the, the brand or partner with them but the, the key is them coming back to you correct so that is i think again another thing that people don't work on you know building that community building that relationship it, it, it's really funny i was talking with a huge tourism board huge on friday um, you know, this tourism board, they have a budget of over 50 million per year. I mean, they're big, big. And I was talking to the director of PR and we were talking about relationships. So I've been dealing with this tourism board for four years. And 
she, she told me that typically a person will go in, they will ask for the highest amount and then not deliver on that high amount. Because listen, the more you ask for, the more you have to deliver. And if you're not accustomed to, so it's in my DNA to over deliver. I want to make them happier than I am because I'd rather a long-term relationship. I'd rather work with them 10 times versus one time, one and done that one off, but I get paid 20 grand. I'd rather work with them 10 times and make five grand each time because you have a client for five years, 10 years, and you make money, you make more in the long run, but you're both walking away from the table happy. That is the ultimate goal. It's actually not difficult to make money in this business. You just have to make sure that the person on the other side of the table is happier than you are. You're going to be happy. It's easy. It's super easy. Don't complicate yourself with a lot of nonsense and you'll be happy. Your whole concentration should be, how can I make this other person as happy as I possibly can so that the relationship, not only you have that relationship, but she's going to refer you to 100 people. That should be your ultimate goal. Just be happy. Go again. It's not when you get the relationship. It's not the width. It's the depth. Go deep, 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 deep. I know these people. I know their family. I know their kid's name. I know I know everything. I'm connected to them personally on Facebook. Like I go so deep, it's ridiculous. That is actually relationship building, isn't it? It's, it's building a connection. Well, think, think, about, think about this. I mean, use exactly our conversation before we started going and recording. Um, you know, you did your homework on me. You, you, you Googled, you looked on platforms, you looked at questions, you looked how I responded to certain things. Why aren't you doing that with the people that you're working with? Like, I want to know, yeah, there's, you know, they're going to be private on some platforms and this and that. Okay, but they're not going to be on every. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, 83% of the accounts on Twitter are not private. Whereas you got maybe 60% of them on, on Instagram are not private. So it, it's just about how hard do you want to work to learn without getting paid? Do you, but certain people have the mentality, oh, if I'm putting in five seconds of work, I'm going to get paid for that five seconds. It's going to come back to you. Just calm down and just work for it. You know, I'll give you a good example. When the pandemic hit, I, my, this is how my a year in the life of Mr. Scott Eddy goes. I do about 30 to 35 trips, flights, road trips, whatnot. I do about three or four cruises, and I speak at probably 20, 25 conferences. Um, outside of that, I have some retainer clients that I do consulting for and brand strategy work and things like that. <coughs> Obviously, when the pandemic hit, I lost everything in 48 hours. Everything. Every speaking gig, every trip, every retainer client. Literally, my, my revenue went from up here to zero. And when I tell you zero, I mean zero, zero. I have no, um, I had no income coming in. So the seven clients that I had for retainer clients, I had a decision to make. Obviously their budgets got killed and they, they got, they went to zero. So, but these were relationships that I had. I had a decision to make. Do I just walk away from them or how, how do I keep the relationship there? So I said, listen, I know what's going on. We're all stuck at home anyway. 
here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to stop working with you. You're going to get exactly the same all the way through the pandemic. We're just going to do it via Zoom. So I kept working just as much, actually harder and more because I did more because people needed more help, not less. And I kept every single client through. And to be honest, seven of those clients, only two of them have came back with retainers, but I'm still doing work for the other five. So I still have seven clients. I'm still only getting paid for two by two, but I'm still doing the same amount of work. There's not a lot of people that would do that. But you know what? When things come back or if they leave and go to another company, they will know that I went above and beyond. And at the end of the day, much more important to me, I know I did the right thing by my client. That's the sort of thing. That's how you build a personal brand. That's how you build brand equity in an industry. That's how you become a real thought leader in the industry. Sounds amazing what you've done. And the initial, I was going to say to you, the initial thought of when it, when your revenue went from this to literally zero. Literally. Were you actually worried at that time thinking, how will I make money? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, your savings, your, your, you know, your piggy bank only lasts so long. Yeah. Um, now at the same time, social ramped up. Yes. That's um, true. You know, like, uh, social media consumption ramped up, which only means the influencer space, if you did it right, went through the roof. So lots of um, uh, sponsored posts and, and this and that. I was getting offers that I never got before. Um, and here's another thing in the industry that is rampant, if we want to keep on this word. People will, people will promote things that are not organic to their brand just to bring in income. And it happened a lot during the pandemic. I'll tell you something about me. I've never done anything in my life. I've never even tried a cigarette, tried a drug, pot, Coke, pills, nothing, zero. I had multiple vape companies approach me, including the three top ones. One of them contacted me, I don't know, six times. And the last offer was $9,000 to take a to turn my my phone around, look in my video, take a puff, blow the smoke into the into the screen, and upload it. Uh, static post, not a story. And for nine thousand dollars for that four second video, and I said no six times. As they eventually made it up to nine thousand, I kept saying no. Um, let me tell you, that nine thousand would have helped me out a lot. It would have just helped out. I mean, period, the end. Everybody was suffering during this. There was a lot of people that prospered, and there was a lot of lives that were lost, businesses that were mm -hmm. lost. A lot of people, much more were suffering than prospered. Um, and that would have helped out a lot, but I will not sacrifice the brand equity that I've built up since 2008 to now for monthly. Like, what are you, crazy? Like, that's... That's unheard of in my in my brain. A lot of people will listen to that and go, well, 
and there were, no one would blame me. It's easier said than done. I know, You're not a big brand. I hear all. I hear it all the time. And I was going to say, what I was going to say to you was, no one would have blamed you for doing it if you needed the money. But you absolutely right. What you were saying was, your brand is more important. Oh. You, won't, you would not see a. You got to think of it. No brand will try and sacrifice because otherwise, you'd be like, "Oh, that was that guy that did this." Did yeah, but then he did that. You know, you don't want that ever to be attached to you. And I think right. I understand. I understand why you didn't go down that route because it makes sense. Because you just because at the end of the day. You were just saying that from to ruin your brand from I guess money, which listen to it going well. Hang on a second, you are working for to get paid, aren't you? But there is a certain time and a point you take money depending on what's good for your brand. And I to- I totally get it. A lot of people listening might not understand that, but it's really important. I think in the short term, it's very, very, very difficult to say no. It's it's extremely difficult, especially during a pandemic. There's no income. Like zero, you're sitting at home. I'm not traveling, lost all my clients, all my speaking gigs, which pay very well. And somebody's just basically giving you free money for five seconds of your life. <laughs> I, I I won't do it. I, I immediately think of my mother or my father and what they would think of me if I ever did that. And I, I just can't. You are actually doing a television show at the minute, aren't you? So you filmed uh, Video Globetrotter, which I believe you're about to film. Is it season two or episode two? Episode two. Episode it's so two. crazy. This whole thing came about, and it actually happened about a year before the pandemic. Signed the contract, and then they have to develop everything. We finally got to film the first episode in the Caribbean. And we finished filming, I don't know, weeks before the pandemic hit, like not months, weeks. And and just so you know, Video Globe Trotter, the first travel series on Lifetime TV, the first morning travel show, I think, on any channel. Um, and my, my, my goal was never to be on TV. Unlike most people in the travel space, everybody wants to be like Anthony Bourdain. Um, but, and there's nothing wrong with that. Let me just make that clear. But again, it goes against everything. Like I don't have the bigger goals. I just want to be as organic as possible. Um, So the show actually premiered during the pandemic. So, you know, like nothing went right with the first episode other than it was fun. It was cool. And it was the first show on Lifetime. Um, Having said that, first travel show on Lifetime, having said that, now we're ramping up, you know, obviously they didn't cancel the show. They knew travel was coming back in a huge way. And we're about to film episode two. Um, I can't reveal where, but we're going to start filming it next month. And I'm very excited. Now, was this episode that you filmed, was it a pilot or was it an actual episode that life, I assume net, network is life, life, lifestyle. So net- it's not. Primetime network, but it, Lifetime is a huge, huge um, cable TV station here all across the country. Um, but the episode actually lives on videoglobetrotter.com. You can watch the whole episode. Um, but so technically, the first three episodes were pilots, um, and then they decide if they want to continue with season one. But I think they're going to continue with season one. So you filmed this episode. So I assume you want to build build on it, film more episodes, potentially internationally distribute it. Would that be the plan? 
It's really funny. I work much more internationally than I do in the U.S. Um, I do have clients here and I'm based here just because it's very good for my brand. I would much prefer to be based overseas. I, I, I would kill to be living back in Bangkok. You have no idea. It's my home forever. Now, yes, uh, I am working on several TV type deals, but not, I, I could care less about television. Now it's all about OTT and I want to be Netflix, Hulu, you know, things like that. Disney plus all those Amazon prime. Um, I'm just concentrating on that. And there are several deals and conversations in the, in the works lots. Uh, I have one later today and yeah, there's lots in the work, lots coming up. Um, just because I have the whole package now, I have an incredible video team. I have a, you know, a production people. I have a good publicist. I uh, just, I have every piece of the pie just waiting for, to do the right deal. And what is your show about? Is it about you? Is it about luxury travel? What is it exactly about? So the show that I have now, Video Globetrotter, that is like an Anthony Bourdain-ish type show. It's me going to different destinations. It could be domestic. It could be international. The first show was all in the Caribbean, so it was technically international. Um, and it's just me hanging out with the locals, um, really doing a deep dive into the culture, the food, the music, the, the destination, and just learning and having fun. What would you say is, is different to any other travel show that is out there? There's tons of travel shows, but what's different about yours, would you say? Is it, about, is it you? You're, you're the star of the show? I'm going to be, yeah, I'm the host. Um, I, I, I'm definitely different. Um, <laughs> sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes well, it's bad. Well, it's a good thing because you, you bring your own personality to the show. Sure, sure. And I think, I think everybody's personality is different. Therefore, everybody's show is different. Having said that, I do not watch TV. I've never watched a full episode of Anthony Bourdain. I've watched bits and pieces of a lot. Um, I haven't seen a full episode of any travel show out there. So okay. I, I, I have nothing to compare it to, and I actually don't have an answer to your question. I just hope that mine is different and a little bit unique and enough for people to watch. And if you don't want to watch, it's fine. <laughs> Keep following me on social. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't care. It's up to you. Like, I, I don't want ever people to be on the fence about me or my personal brand or my social. I either want you to be all in and you love me and we hang out and we just – be friends forever or you hate me block me unfollow me and just never think about me again i like if you're on the fence about me just unfollow me like i don't care like it, it's not i i i just want to i want an audience that i can have fun with that i can give more than i take from period the end that's what i want my my personal brand legacy to actually be you, you mentioned that you Bangkok is your home from it is your home permanently well it will always forever be your be at home why is it what what made it so transformative for you was it you became into because you you said you left uh, at the age of 20 wait went over there at 20 what why was it such a appeal to you? why did it become such a transformative moment for you a because growing up in the US um and as you know, most Americans live with blinders on they don't know what's going on overseas um unlike most countries are very global. We are not. Um, I think it's getting better, but it's definitely not on the scale of any, it's not even close to any other country in the world. 
And so my eyes were really opened when I got to Bangkok and Bangkok is such a, have you been? Yes, I have. Yeah. So you know how massive, I mean, you know, 13 and a half million people. I mean, you could fit what three Manhattans inside of Bangkok and you still have room to roam. Actually, well, funny you say Manhattan because when I went to Bangkok, I said it was like, uh, funny, I said it was like the, the New York of Asia. That's what I said. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I personally think Hong Kong is the New York of Asia. Um, I haven't been there quite yet. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's literally because skyscraper after skyscraper, it's just, you know. But but yes, it, it's – so I didn't know it was possible to have a massive metropolitan city, but everybody there is just kind to one another. Because here, the bigger the city – the more idiots you have, the more people are just unkind to one another. They're just, it's all about capitalism. They don't care about the other person in front of them. You know, like it's just, it's a much more aggressive nature. Having said that, I love city life, but I just didn't think that that was possible. So when I went there, my mind was, it exploded. I was like, oh my my God. So it is possible. Um, And then it's just the people. I made a lot of friends and the food is to die for and i don't know it just it it immediately like wrapped its arms around me and it still hasn't let go i love it to death what did you learn about yourself i should say whilst you were in bangkok did you learn to be even more independent what is it specifically you felt as though you got out of it no the whole independent thing came because i love making new relationships. I love meeting new people. I love making new friends. I use this to get to this. Most people use this to get to this. <laughs> um, I, I, my, my only goal in life is I want to meet as many people as I can in as many countries as I can as quickly as I can. I just use this to get me there. That's it. This is just a gateway. It's nothing more. What we put in it that's what makes each one of these unique. 20 years ago, or 21 years ago, when you moved across, that wouldn't have been possible. You know, now it's so easy, isn't it? I would say even in the last five years, how technology has taken off now, you can stay in touch. And I, I spoke to someone the other day, and she was in Tennessee. You know, we become friends because it's so easy now to stay in touch and get to know one another. I, every day I wake up, I speak to more people before before 9 a.m. I speak to more people overseas than I do in in America. Every day, just because of WhatsApp and the, it, 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 just use the example because you're overseas and you get it just like I do. Um, I came back to the states and everybody's using SMS, and I was like, "Man, you guys are." dinosaurs like how are you <laughs> using whatsapp and then facebook bought whatsapp and yeah. every american that i know they were like what's whatsapp why are they paying 18 billion dollars i'm like because the rest of the world is using it they're they have global you know like their eyes are open they don't have the blinders on they have a global vision of the world and it's it's now people are starting to get it and they see how dinosaurish sms is and we're the only country that really uses it like hardcore as their main communication in the world. It, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, it, it's Bangkok changed my life. I, I, how did I change? It's 
it amplified all the principles and, and the rules that I was raised with, you know, be nice to others, um, give more than you take. Don't be selfish. Those are like daily routines though. That's like, they don't even talk about that stuff in, in Thailand because it's so ingrained in the culture. I just, I felt like I belonged and it really, you know, what changed was I just amplified all those feelings and all those cultural things that I was raised with. And I just, I use them much more than I used to. I, can I just ask you then with everything that you do, because you said you work seven days a week and I assume it doesn't feel like work to you. Where do you get time to sort of relax? I like me taking a pause, like my mind is never stressed. Like I'm trying to put it the right way. So, so people will understand like I'm psychotic when it comes to energy. I wake up, I bounce off the walls. I wake up at, you know, my alarm goes off at five, but I always wake up a couple minutes before. So it's 4.55, 4.50. Sometimes I have calls, so I'm up at four, you know, whatever it is. Um, but I always get my, I, I sleep the same amount of time every night. Um, I sleep from four to six hours. But I do that every night and I've done that routine for eight years. I've always woke up early, but now is like the past eight years. I've woke up at five o'clock religiously and um, my mind is never stressed because my schedule is hyper, like crazily organized. I know every second of the day what I'm going to do. It's not religious. Like if I don't have a meeting, like when we, when we stop this, in 10 minutes and it'll be 9am here on the East coast and say, I don't have another call until 11am. I don't have those two hours scheduled. So what am I going to do? I'm going to find something to learn about or to deepen my knowledge about on, uh, on YouTube or on clubhouse. I'll play it in the background while I reply to some emails, while I reply to some messages or tweets or something like that. I'll just, I'll occupy my time and because I have such a deep affection for meeting new people and making new relationships, and I know social is the way to do it, this is not work. This is just getting me one, one step closer to making a new friend. But the thing is, because it doesn't feel like work, it's just part of your life, isn't it? It's just, you know what? It doesn't really matter. This is, this is my life. I'm not working to make somebody else rich. I'm not working in on an assembly line i'm not physically doing anything um i can i can make my brain as stressed as i possibly want or as not stressed as i possibly want so it, it it's sort of like so you'll hear people complain about their timeline on on facebook oh i don't use facebook anymore it's full of negative people well it's full of negative people because those are the people you choose to follow or engage with you know, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg does not put negativity in your timeline. There's two reasons people are in your timeline. You engage with that content. Therefore, Facebook, the algorithm works. They put more things in your timeline that you engage with. So stop engaging with those people and or unfollow or unfriend people that are negative. 
Social media is just the pipelines of communication. That's all they are. It's just like when you're, if you're reading a newspaper, are you going to concentrate on the bad stories or the good stories? Like concentrate on what you're going to concentrate on. It's just the pipelines. What you fill, that's your individual personality. Is there anything else that you can tell us on, that you've got development-wise that we can look forward to? Um, yeah, I'm discussing a lot of new um, deals with new brands. Um, obviously, with everything restarting, um, I'm going to be working with a lot of old clients, but a lot of new ones. There's going to be lots of cruise type stuff coming up. I work heavily in that industry, okay. um, but new brands, new ships, okay. new itineraries, new um, just new fun things. Um, I work very heavily in the wine world. So I have a lot of new partnerships coming up in that industry as well. And I'm, I'm definitely focused on much more brand ambassadorship type deals, you know, three to six months go deep, deep, deep in that relationship versus the one-offs. So I'm doing a lot less sponsored posts. I don't think I've done a sponsored post in six months, eight months, something like that. Because I'd rather, I'd rather just be all in with the brand for 12 months or six months and do multiple things. We're doing a lot of, um, I did something two months ago with a, uh, I'm, I have a relationship with Bonner Private Wines, which they, they're a wine club and they specialize in high altitude wines from Argentina. So we did kind of a hybrid event. Hybrid is definitely everything that I do in the future is going to be hybrid. It's going to be a combination of in-person and virtual. And we did a hybrid event at the Aloft in Delray Beach, where I'm at right now. And we had a Facebook Live for an hour and a half. Me, the founder and the director of operations who works with all the winemakers. And we did a such a deep dive into the wine and this and that. And it, it was just incredible. And they did very, very well with wine sales during our talk. So there's going to be lots more. We're, we're going to start to develop packages surrounding that. And I'll be do doing much more with Bonner as well. Um, so, yeah, just I'm taking what the pandemic gave me and I'm using it. You know, hybrid events, going virtual, going live, you know, just you got to you, you will never you will never win if you try to battle technology. You have to embrace it and ride the wave. The world is only going to get more digital. It's not going to get less. Mm -hmm. So you have to go all in. Whether you're a brand, you're a personal brand, you're a person, you're, you're, you don't want your face on, on, on video and you just want your company to be not, whatever it is, you got to go all in. You don't have a choice. Go all in or die. There's no second place. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is a good point to to leave it uh scott i want to thank you for coming on i really appreciate your time it's absolutely flown by i could listen to you all day but <laughs> as, as i know you're a very busy guy so again thank you very much and i'll speak to you very soon i appreciate the time man you can follow my guests on all of their social media platforms the details are in the description that's it for take a wonder with shebs don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms until next time bye for now